It's still Christmas. <laughs> the good news is that Christmas is a 12-day season, not just a day. So there are 12 days of Christmas when we can be enjoying leftover ham sandwiches, again, leftover Christmas pudding, leftover Christmas chocolates, the post-Christmas day clean-up and put-away, and 12 days of drummers drumming, pipers piping, lords are leaping, ladies dancing, maids are milking, swans are swimming, geese are laying, golden rings, calling birds, French hens, turtle doves, and that jolly partridge. And the 12th day of Christmas is January the 5th in just a few days' time. That's when you take down your Christmas tree, put away your cards, take down your Christmas lights and gather strength for the next one. Christmas ends on January the 6th when the Feast of the Epiphany, when we remember that the wise men came looking for the baby who was to be a king. The good news is that Epiphany is also a season just as Christmas is. And the Epiphany season lasts for eight weeks, right up until Ash Wednesday at the start of March this year. So Thursday of this week is the feast of the Epiphany that heralds in this eight-week season. In Epiphany, we sing the carol, the first Noel, with the various verses about the wise men who came in. We sing the carol, We Three Kings of Orient Are, or the hymn that we're about to sing, As with gladness men of old did the guiding star behold. Or the hymn, Hail to the Lord's Anointed, Great David's Greater Son, with its reference to the wise men in verse 3. Kings shall, shall bow down before him and gold and incense bring. On our mantelpiece we can rearrange the epiphany cards that people sent us at Christmas. The cards that show three wise men either on camels or at Bethlehem. For eight weeks, we can wear those paper crowns that we got in our Christmas bonbons or crackers because those silly hats, oh, those lovely hats, represent the crowns of the wise men according to the theory that they were kings. We can make a king's cake a fruitcake with little trinkets hidden within it, like the thrupnesses that we used to put into the Christmas pudding. Or with German people, we can chalk our front doors with the Epiphany blessing. And this year we would put the number 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 22. Traditionally, there were three wise men, and traditionally their names were Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, the C, the M, and the B of the chalked blessing on front doors. The Bible tells us that they brought him three gifts. And to make it neat and to save fights among the young men, tradition, wise men, tradition says that there were three wise men and three gifts. But in Eastern churches, tradition is that there were 12 wise men. A lot of camels. There's nothing in the account from the Gospel of Matthew that implies that they were kings of any kind at all. The identification of the three wise men as kings is linked to the Old Testament prophecies that describe the Messiah king as being worshipped by kings in such a verse as Psalm 72 verse 10. Indeed, all kings shall fall down before him, 
and all nations serve him. Early readers reinterpreted Matthew's wise men in the light of these prophecies and elevated the wise men to kings. By AD 500, the commentators adopted the prevalent tradition that the three were kings. Apart from their names, the three wise men developed distinct characteristics so that between them they represented the three ages of people and three geographical areas and cultural areas. In one tradition, Caspar is old, normally with a white beard, and gives gold. He is the king of Tarsus, the land of merchants on the Mediterranean coast of Turkey. Melchior is middle-aged and he gives frankincense from Arabia. And Balthazar is a young man, young man very often black-skinned, with myrrh from Saba, modern South Yemen. The ages were often given, elderly Caspar, 60. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, dear. Oh, it's hard to be serious. Um, yeah. <laughs> Middle-aged Melchior as 40 and Balthazar as 20. Oh, dear. Now, the three gifts are ordinary gifts and offerings given to a king. Gold as something valuable, frankincense as a perfume, and myrrh as an anointing oil. And the three gifts also had spiritual meanings. Gold as a symbol of earthly kingship, frankincense as a symbol of heavenly deity, and myrrh, an embalming oil, as a symbol of death. The full title of Epiphany is quite a mouthful. It is The Feast of the Epiphany, the Manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. Now, the birth of Jesus may have been thoroughly Jewish, but his birth, his incarnation, was for the benefit of Jews and Gentiles alike. The shepherds were Jews, but the wise men were certainly not. And here, at the outset of the incarnational life of Jesus, were Gentile people coming to worship and adore him, just as the Jewish shepherds came and worshipped and adored him. And what do you reckon Mary and Joseph thought when they saw these three important visitors kneeling before their baby and offering royal gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh? Did it bring back to Mary the words that she received from the angel Gabriel nine months earlier? Gabriel said, the child will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. This baby was divine. This baby was a king. A man, a man. The sight of these three adoring their child must have brought back to Mary's mind those words of Gabriel that she had pondered on for nine months. And here in Epiphany, 
right at the outset of the incarnation life of Jesus, we have the great missionary aspect of God's love shown. That God's love and God's son is for all the people of the world, not just the Jews. When you were in Sunday school, I wonder, did you sing the little chorus, Jesus died for all the children? All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus died for all the children of the world. You haven't sung that for years, have you? And yet here it comes back into your mind. It's a little children's ditty that's got an enormous amount of theological truth behind it. That Jesus came for all the people of the world, regardless of their age, regardless of their race, regardless of their creed. And here in St Matthew's Kensington this morning, we have a visual demonstration of the truth of Epiphany. Hardly any of us here this morning are Jewish. We are Gentiles. And as Caspar, Melchior and Balthazar bowed before the Christ child so many years ago, we were there. We were in them too. And as we come to adore Christ this morning, Caspar, Melchior and Balthazar are here in us. And if we are Jewish, so were the shepherds. And as they bowed before the Christ child, so those who are Jewish were there too, in them. And the shepherds are in us today. The missionary work of our linked missionaries, the Rose in South Africa, the Davises in Tanzania, Maggie Cruz in Cambodia, and Francis Cook in Chile, their work is epiphany work, helping other Gentiles to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus and bringing them too to come and adore him. It's epiphany this week, not a strange exotic church season that has nothing to do with us, but a church season that has everything to do with who we are as Gentile Christians and as Jewish Christians. And so we have joined in the Epiphany hymn, The First Noel, and I'm glad that we sang it with all our hearts. Now let us all, with one accord, sing praises to our Heavenly Lord.